Been very fortunate to talk with a number of different mayoral candidates who all have aspirations of becoming the next boss of the city, for lack of a better phrase, and now joined by Rob Davis, another mayoral candidate, former chair of the TTC, kind enough to join me this morning. Rob, good morning. Well, good morning, Rob. Well, you were first. You were the first guy to step up and say that you want to run this city. There's always something to be said for somebody that's hungry, that wants to get into that seat. Tell me before you even realized that this was going to be the time that you were going to run, because I think this uh, election caught a lot of people by surprise. What was the first time that you said to yourself, man, I think I could do this job? Well, it was uh, after I spoke with some of the candidates who are actually running now, and I realized uh, that I, I could do a better job than they can. And I, I, I you know, humbly, I, I spoke with the, some of the quote-unquote leading candidates, and I realized that they weren't completely up to the task and that uh, some of their policy uh, initiatives were not going to be the right fit for the residents of Toronto. And so uh, after, uh, if, I, if I can say it in a cliched way, consulting friends and family, uh, I decided to, uh, to put my name in. But more importantly, uh, I've been watching for years as many things have gone wrong at City Hall and watched many of the problems fester uh, in the city, whether it's uh, congestion, um, housing affordability going through the roof, uh, particularly rental housing affordability. And so I saw that the people who were putting gasoline on the fire were presenting uh, to Toronto options to buy their fire truck, and it, it infuriated me. And so I decided to put my name in. So I got a question for you. A lot of these people that don't win might still be on council and you're going to have to collaborate with said people. How do you figure that you can do that thinking that they can't do a job that's good enough to be in City Hall? Well, I, I think there's there's something that people forget. The, the mayor has a lot of moral suasion when it comes to uh, other members of council, even if they have a different uh, ideological position. Uh, the mayor uh, decides who gets to be chair of committees. The mayor gets to uh, establish the, um, excuse me, the nominating committee, which then appoints lots of citizen, uh, uh, lots of residents to citizen appoint appointments. So the mayor has a lot of levers in uh, to pull in order to influence the decision of other members of council, and it's all part of the negotiating process. So uh, those councillors don't necessarily come at you in a hostile manner. It, it no longer becomes a uh, an adversarial sort of thing. It, it it actually becomes a little bit more collaborative. It's a, a little bit of a switch that gets turned off and on uh, between uh, between uh, campaigning and governing. We had a text message come in yesterday. And I thought it was a really interesting one because they said, you know what, I've heard from a lot of different candidates on this station over the last couple of days. I need to know if any of them can handle a budget. Because it's one thing to be able to go out there and say that you're going to fill potholes. It's another thing to take on a 16 to $20 billion budget. You come from the financial service sector. Do you think that gives you a distinct advantage? Well, the, the, I would say yes. And then additionally, you know, in the predecessor municipality, I was budget chief. Um, I voted for five consecutive tax freezes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of, a, of a, an odd duck in that I look for um, unique ways to deliver a service, uh, but do it in a financially or fiscally responsible manner. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, many of my opponents want to build affordable housing. They want to spend billions and billions of dollars. Um, I want to buy a BIC pen uh, for $1.29, and I want to sign a bylaw that bans short-term rentals and puts 20,000 
Airbnb apartments and houses back on the market. It's the cheapest way to get rental housing accommodation back in the hands of people who want to rent houses to live here. We have the bonkers situation of tourists mm-hmm. living in apartments and houses. And, and for people who can't afford to find an affordable place to live, what happens? Taxpayers are putting them up in hotels. You know, tourists are supposed to be in hotels and residents are supposed to be houses and apartments. That's part of the weird upside down world that we've come to because Toronto Council decided uh, to legalize these short term rentals and allow hotels uh, to be operating uh, as ghost hotels out of houses and apartments. And it's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, But now we're in a situation where taxpayers are going to be on the hook building housing when the housing is already there. It's sitting there being used, like I said, by tourists from Europe and the United States. And it should be for residents of Toronto. I could see how you might be able to make headway with the hotels on that front. I'd be really curious to know if you're going to be able to break through when it comes to an individual who wants to make some side money with an Airbnb. But we'll save that for rainy day because we got a release from your office um, just the other day, actually just a couple hours ago. You want the CRA to investigate Olivia Chow's political training charity for fraud. That's a big, bold move with about a week and a half to go in an election when you you come at the front runner and come at her with a a pretty significant ask. Can you flesh out why you, A, you want this to happen, but B, the timing of it? Well, I've been beating the drum on this for almost almost two months. Uh, So uh, let me give your, uh, maybe your listeners a a background. Olivia Chow founded a charity called uh, Change Leaders Institute. The sole purpose of the charity is to train people in political campaigning. Um, The website claims that they've trained 10,000 people. So here's the problem. Uh, There was a a significant hundredfold increase in receivable donations to that charity uh, reported in 2022 uh, in terms of uh, in... in, um, they, re- they reported $5,000 in, in receipts in, um, in 2021 and $564,000 in donations in 2022. That's a hundredfold increase in donations. Now, unions, businesses, and foreign entities are not allowed to donate to political campaigns, but they might be able to donate to a charity. And if any of the people who were trained or work for that charity are working on her campaign, then it's possibly a breach of the, um, of the, of the, of the charity's rules uh, for CRA. And so I've quietly asked her to reveal the list of donors. The charity has replied saying they would. They haven't. Um, and this is really about character. Um, is this a way around the rules? If you're running for mayor, you cannot accept a donation from a business, a foreign entity, or a union. Is, is this an end? My question to her is, is this an end run around the rules? Is this is one way to funnel hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars through to your campaign by using a charity? If it is, then it meets, means she's not qualified for mayor. She fails the character test. And I think it's very important that Toronto voters know where she got the money. And in this day and age of foreign interference and, and all the confusion that's happening in Ottawa and, and in, in part in Ontario around um, entities trying to influence our politics, I think Torontonians have a right to know. I think Olivia Chow has an obligation to share that information with people. 
And, and I think we have to look at whether or not we tighten the rules around whether politicians should really be involved in charities. I mean, a hundredfold is something that would catch the eye of the Canadian Revenue Agency. Do you think that they've already taken a look at this, or do you think that this is something that's still a work in progress? Well, I spoke with the Director General of the Charities Directorate at CRA, and uh, I alerted her to the fact that I was sending this letter. She was very thankful for the forewarning. Um, And I think it's something they're going to take very seriously. Um, You know, again, if there is a personal benefit delivered uh, to Olivia Chowler by persons who are trained in political activism or in the Canadian political system, uh, volunteered or were employed by her campaign, um, then that's a personal benefit. And it's not allowed. And it could lead to charges. And it could lead to deregistering the charity. But, but I think this can be resolved by Ms. Chow simply telling us where she got the money. Uh, so my question, if Olivia, if you're, if you're listening, show me the money. Show us where you got the money. Provide us with a list. Uh, let us know where the money has been spent. And, and let us know whether people who've been trained by your charity are now working on your campaign. It's really important. It's important not only for the te- integrity of this campaign and the Municipal Elections Act. It's also important for the integrity of charities and charitable giving, uh, you know, Canadians should not be, through tax dollars, subsidizing, uh, through the federal tax system, subsidizing a municipal campaign. It's simply against the rules. And so, um, it's the, and, it, the, and this goes back to the question that you asked me about, about financial, uh, being, having the financial skills. This is an example of the skill set that I bring as mayor. I understand these issues. I understand how to manage. Um, when I was on council, we were managing a 6 or $7 billion uh, operating budget. It's ballooned to $16 billion. Um, but, but in order to manage that, you know, there's an old saying about uh, taking care of the pennies and the dollars take care of themselves. This is an example of what I'm going to bring to the table. The skill and the ability to look at things in a, in a way that will protect taxpayers. Well, a lot to chew on, Rob, but I thank you for your time this morning and thank you for coming on and uh, giving us your thoughts on a wide variety of stuff. Good luck in the next no, week no, or no. so. Hey, my pleasure. And if you want to learn more information, go to stopchow.com and you'll learn more about this issue. All right. Thank you. Rob Davis joining us here on 640 Toronto. I hope you have a great afternoon. Uh, We'll take our break in a couple of moments. Strong words. I mean, we've had a couple of different candidates come on. Some of them, you know, we have regular conversations with and we just, you know, ask them what's on their iPod. This is a really bold move. And I'm sure there's a lot of candidates out there that are like, you go, Rob, (laughs) you know, you take this on. (laughs) I know what it's like to work for a charity and the communication of the charity is interesting. I'm not going to take a side on this because again, I, I, oh gosh, there's certain things that I actually think he's onto, onto something, but there's so much gray area when it comes to charities and, and things of that nature. You can paint it with a hundred different colors and it can come out a hundred different ways. And it's a really strong accusation. I mean, asking Olivia Chow to come clean on who donated to her charity. She might not even know everybody that's donated to the charity. I'm not going to stand up for her. uh, But at the same time, it's just an interesting time to really drop the gavel, so to speak. And, uh, and take her to task, have your website ready for it and everything. It's, uh, 
it's strong words, but you know what? If you want to be the mayor of this fine city, you got to take on the big challenges. So I'm not going to deter Rob from doing what he's doing. He's obviously in the thick of a race right now. And um, there's a lot of accusation that came out in the last couple of moments. So we'll see where that leads to.